0: This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all know that our mental health needs to be a priority, but what are you doing to ensure that? Personally, I started therapy in 2020, as I have shared openly on this show, and it has made such a difference for me. I think anyone can benefit from therapy, but especially as many listeners of this podcast are special needs parents, we definitely need to take care of ourselves in order to best take care of our children. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Adventures in Autism listeners will get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash adventures in autism. That's betterhelp.com slash adventures in autism. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode one seventy one. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And I'm really excited for today's episode because after my little break, um, I did a solo episode a couple weeks ago, and then now we're getting back into the swing of things. I have a guest today. Her name is Kelly, and she's going to be. A sharing her journey with her daughter, Selby. I loved talking to Kelly because her and Selby have kind of a unique journey, which I mean, she'll get into and share the details. But when Kelly had first reached out to me, she had told me that her daughter didn't receive a diagnosis of autism until she was about eight and a half. So I thought that was really interesting because, you know, again, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you probably know a lot of the episodes seem to kind of have like a similar sort of path. And even though they're all different and there's, you know, uniqueness to every story. I always think it's interesting to talk to a parent whose child had gotten like a little bit of a later diagnosis, because it's just a really interesting perspective. And that was one of the things that I appreciated most about Kelly sharing this is just hearing her perspective and her kind of outlook on everything. It was it was just great to get to talk to her and Kelly is awesome. She is such like a bright light and I just really appreciated having her on and I know you guys will too. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Kelly. Hi Kelly, welcome to Adventures in Autism.
1: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm good, how are you? I'm Wonderful. I'm, I'm so excited to have you on. You and I were just chatting a little bit before. The longer I do the show, the more I love hearing the kind of unique stories. And I, I, I know a little bit about your story from what you shared with me. And I'm really excited for you to share it on the show. So if you will take us back to the beginning of the journey, I would love to hear.
1: Yeah. So um, I have a daughter. Her name is Selby. She is nine years old, and we um, received her autism diagnosis about six months ago, so she was about eight and a half years old. Um, And going back with, you know, my journey, I will kind of start at the beginning of um, my labor and delivery, because I feel like that might have a a big impact um, with, you know, this whole journey. So, uh, yeah, so she was born on June 7th, 2012. Um, she actually was born on my husband's birthday. So her dad's birthday, um, the labor was really hard. Um, I think I was in labor. I went into labor on June 5th in the evening of June 5th, and I didn't have her until the morning of June 7th. So, you know, it was well over 24 hours and- Oh my. I know lots of, um, (laughs) you know, lots and lots of contractions, lots of pain. I felt everything. And I even got an epidural. Um, But after having my son and I had an epidural with him, I didn't feel anything what I felt with Selby. So, um, so yeah, she finally came and, you know, she was perfect. We brought her home and, you know, then we started you know, the whole nursing process. And, um, that was something that was really important to me because I, well, first of all, it's free. Um, (laughs) but second, it's, you know, better for babies if mothers can do it. Um, so that I was very determined to continue nursing her. And, um, so when you know, we struggled a lot. And I, even the, I took her to her well visits and the pediatrician is like, she's not gaining weight. You need to give her formula and just basically like shoved a bottle in her mouth. And I was like traumatized by that. And, you know, felt like a failure. Um, but I continued to try, try, try. And, um, I noticed I was, you know, just not feeling very well. And I was passing a lot of like blood And clots throughout this like two and a half week, you know, post birth recovery. And one day I was nursing her. And then I just, I stood up, I felt something and I stood up and I just started hemorrhaging. And it was, you know, really, really traumatizing. And my mom luckily was in town visiting and she called an ambulance, got to the hospital and they did a emergency dnc and um they you know i had to get a couple units of blood uh, because i lost so much Um, but then after that i brought her home and i was able to nurse on on my own no um i think we did supplement in the beginning because i needed to like recover from that Mm -hmm. um but then i nursed her until she was about three years old um so i felt really really proud of myself for that and um So yeah, that's, that's kind of her birth story. And I'm really, you know, it's a part of our, um, you know, I have no regrets of that. It's just, you know, what happened. And um, when I, you know, was filling out all of the intake forms for getting her evaluated, you know, they, you know, that was a big thing that they wanted to know what was her birth story. So I don't know if that, you know, ties into anything with, you know, how her brain works now. I don't know, but um, it's kind of our special story, I guess. Um, So then after she was born, um, you know, she did all of her, you know, well visits and all her milestones. She was kind of average on everything. She was always really tiny, but, you know, and she walked, she started walking, I think she was around 15 months when she was totally walking on her own. So she was a little bit delayed in that, but You know, once she started that, she was fine. And all of her, um, you know, her verbal skills were above and beyond. Like that little girl could like have full on sentences by the time she was 18 months. Like there was no issue or delay with any of that at all. Um, The one thing we did struggle with when she was that little was potty training and, we, um, I mean, she, she was just really hard, very, very hard to potty train. She was terrified of the toilet. She did not care at all that her friends in preschool were potty trained. Like she was just like, Nope, I'm <laughs> fine with this. And what, you know, what I would do is she would go to school in underwear and she would hold it in and then she would come home and she would ask for a pull up and we would, you know, let her do her business like that. So she never had like, she was never you know, wetting herself. She actually, I think she's only done that once in her life. She's never wet the bed or, it was just more of like a control thing for her. And I, that's when I started was like something, you know, this all, you know, there was a mom in her preschool and I'll never forget. She was just like, Oh my God, Selby's not potty trained yet. And I just felt so much shame. Like I tried so hard and you know, it just, wasn't happening. And her pediatrician wasn't super worried, but she was like, you know, it'll happen. Don't force it. So I kind of like let it go. And then when she was about four and a half, you know, that's when I started reaching out for help from um, play therapy. um, Because I think a lot of it was her anxiety. So um, we did about six months of play therapy. And then we were finally kind of able to chip away at her anxiety. And, you know, I, it was this long ordeal, this process to get her to do it. It was like, You know, one day she would sit on the toilet with her clothes on, and then the next day she would sit on the toilet with her pants off, but her pull-up still on. And then she would have the pull-up come down a little bit. And then it got all the way to the point where she was just able to go, but she had to hold on to her her pull-up. And again, that was just all of her being in control of it. And, um, I, you know, as hard as that sounds, and I, you know, I do love that about her because she's completely in control of her body and she is not going to do what somebody tells her to do. So I'm really uh, proud of her for that. But as you know, at the time I was just like, you know, and and I had my, no, I didn't, my, she was five and a half when I had my son. So, um, I was close to having another baby and I was like, I'm not going to have two kids and especially a five-year-old, you know, in diapers. So we, um, We got her, so she was, we were still continuing the play therapy on and off once we finally got her um, potty trained. And then, you know, she was, she went to kindergarten and, you know, excelled in kindergarten. She loved it. I think she loved the rituals and the routine and the structure and the, she, she was able to, you know, form a couple of friendships. Her, Her, I remember her kindergarten teacher was a little, you know um, concerned at recess that she just didn't want to play with her friends that she had made in class. And so she would just kind of hang out with the teacher at recess. And so we kind of came up with like a little plan for her, you know, every time she could, you know, feel confident to play with the friend, she would get a sticker in this little book. And then she, you know, once she filled up the pages, she was able to, um, eat lunch with the teacher, which was, she loved that. She loved her teacher. So that, that was great. Um, but that, that kind of stuff still continued on. She's in fourth, fourth grade now. And she's, you know, sometimes she just goes to the special ed room at recess because she needs a break or she just kind of sits on the bench and she's completely comfortable with that. Like she is not, you know, embarrassed or anything. She's just like, I need to have this quiet time. So, um, and so like, you know. Kindergarten was great. First grade was awesome. She had another really great teacher. Um, She was very structured, her first grade teacher. And I love that. She was very organized. I'm an organized kind of OCD person. So I really appreciated that about her first grade teacher. Um, Second grade was great too. Um, You know, she was having a great year, you know, still had her couple of her friends. Um And then the pandemic happened um, midway through second grade. And that's when, you know, they came home and then they never went back and we started um, virtual learning and it was awful. It, you know, I mean, it was awful for everybody. It was awful mm-hmm. for the teachers. It was awful for parents, for the kids. I mean, everybody was just figuring it out. Um, but she... Just does not learn like that. She just couldn't do it. And she also really struggled with seeing herself on the screen. So she would always turn it off. But then her teacher was like, is she even there? And Mm. it was just kind of this like back and forth, you know, and she'd be having full-blown temper tantrums, like, full-on rage that was really scary to be around. Like, I was walking on eggshells with her. She was violent to her little brother. She was, you know, violent to my husband and I. Um, she just, I, I, you know, I experienced, like, tantrums with her before, you know, but they, they were age-appropriate. This was, like, a whole nother level. And so that's when we started going back into – play therapy and ot um i forgot to mention earlier on we she was doing ot um on and off since she was probably 3 because of her eating habits she was i mean she still is she's a terrible eater she eats like you know four different things and you know won't eat any fruits or vegetables And, um, so we've done this like kind of food therapy stuff with her, which should have been a red flag for me earlier on, but I just, I didn't know. And, um, I was just trying to get calories in her. She's still really small for her age. Um, but so we just continued with the OT, we continued with play therapy and, um, just kind of, we're working through some stuff and, her OT at one point said, have you thought about getting her evaluated? And and I was like, well, what are you seeing? And she was like, well, I see a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety. I was like, well, you know, I mean, I suffer from anxiety. I'm medicated. So I, you know, obviously I see that. And um, I don't know if I need to have an evaluation, you know, for me to see that. And I, you know, also where she was going, the evaluation's not covered by insurance. And so, you know, it was a lot of money to pay up front to do it. And so I just kind of was like, "Um, give us a little bit more time. Let me think about it. And then, you know, we'll kind of decide if that's what we need to do. Um, And then when- Specifically say evaluated for autism? No, no. Hmm. None of that was ever, nobody ever once said that to me. Um, She has been through- three different play therapists and then two different OTs and not one of them ever mentioned, you know, possibly autism. I never even thought of it. Like she's, you know, shy and reserved, but my husband is too. Um, And I was really quiet as a kid and kind of kept to myself a lot. So I was like, well, she's just got our, you know, Mm -hmm. our genes. Um, So then we, um, third grade started and that was all virtual um and the first day of school she had a again another full-blown temper tantrum meltdown screaming and she there was this um this software that they used they were using google classroom and then um this this software called like flipgrid and it was basically like they had to you know um videotape themselves whatever you know their answer was or talk about something and then submit it to google classroom and then all the kids would be able to see it and she was like hell no i am not doing this and she said to me she was like i had rather die than do this and i was like okay we're not doing it like that's that's totally fine we're gonna figure mm-hmm. out a way for your teacher to support that figure out other ways to do the assignment that you don't have to do that because i'm not going to push you through that Mm-hmm. And so her teacher was very supportive and we figured out other ways to do assignments. They took so much longer, but she didn't have to do things like talking into the camera, stuff like that. So um, I want to say it was, so it was third grade and then kind of towards, I, it was probably about a year ago at this time where I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to get her evaluated because I was seeing signs of ADHD. I was like, she, I can't tell if she's paying attention because she would just like kind of have her camera off, and she has a, we have a sensory swing in her room, and so she would just be kind of off in la 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 land. The computer would be on, and I would hear her teacher, um, you know, having her lecture, but I wasn't sure if she was really understanding what was happening, and you know, she was turning her in her assignments, not really asking for that much help from us. But I I was like, is she just getting a free pass because she's just like, you know, like she's turning stuff in, or does she really understand what she's learning? Because I kind of, you know, I think I had a learning disability when I was a kid. Um, And so when I reached out to um, where she does therapy and OT, you know, I said, I think I'm ready. I think I'm seeing signs of ADHD. I'm seeing it with like her aggression um with you know i i think she's struggling with paying attention and i was like and i also want to get you know make sure we get a diagnosis of anxiety so when it is time to go back to school you know if she needs to get a 504 or whatever you know we Mm -hmm. can have that in place because i knew she was going to go back to school at some point um so we got her evaluated in january of 2021 and um it was like a, I don't know, a two or three part process. She went in for a couple hours each time and I had to fill out a report. Her OT filled out a report, her play therapist and her teacher, all of us, you know, filled out our reports, submitted it to the, um, the woman who was doing the evaluation, a psychologist and um, we were going to set up a time to go over everything and you know I definitely am seeing anxiety for sure like that's no doubt but I'm also I'm wondering if she is autistic and I that like never crossed my mind whatsoever and I was like really are you sure and she was like well we're gonna give it one more there's somebody at the Place that specializes in autism that she's going to do her testing on Selby um, and, and kind of go from there. And it didn't cost any extra. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, and sure enough, um, the reports came back that she has autism spectrum disorder. And um, in the time of us waiting for the results, i you know at first i was like oh my god there's no way and i was kind of like sad about it and also like i felt bad that you know if she does have it why didn't we see this sooner we could have helped her all that was going through my mind and then when she got the diagnosis i was relieved i was relieved because she you know i felt like i was doing something wrong in my parenting as to why she was acting out this way or, you know, I always felt, um, embarrassed if like, she didn't want to say hello to people. Um, and I always felt like I was apologizing for that. Um, so like at school, she was such a, um, like rule follower, easy kid, um, did her, did her work, had no issues with you know, friendships or assignments or anything like that. But when she would come home, it would be really hard. And she would, you know, I think, you know, with little girls with autism, they, they, you know, play this role. They play this role at school, just hold it together to be a good girl, to do their work. And then when they get in their safe space at home, that's when they just don't have any more to hold it in. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a lot of what we were seeing. Um, so when we got the diagnosis, I was so relieved that we could um, move forward now and not, um, you know, feel any sort of, um, you know, shame if she, you know, didn't want to like yeah. hug her grandma, which we've never forced that anyways, that's not ever going to happen. She is very aware of, you know, her body is hers and she doesn't have to, you know, even high five somebody because she's just (laughs) not going to. Um, So, yeah. And now that we know we're still we're continuing with she's doing play therapy with the woman um, who is the ASD specialist at um, it's called Come Play STL and they're fantastic. And she does um, occupational therapy there as well. And um, we've seen so much progress in her and her behavior and her kind of happiness around you know just being around us it's been it's been really good and we just like honor that we honor that she is so special and different and um you know we're we couldn't be more proud of her so that's kind of where we're at oh wow I what, I, like I was saying
0: before, just kind of a, a unique story. Mm-hmm. And what I really think is, is so good to hear is how you said, you know, at, at first you have those feelings of like, I'm sure sadness and just confusions mm-hmm. and autism wasn't like on your radar. Um, but that sense of like relief, mm-hmm. I think is um, it's really powerful, especially because and there was a couple different times. When you were kind of telling the beginning of the story, thinking like like people sort of seeing seeming judgmental about like the potty training, mm-hmm. or you know, and you were like, I, like I know what you mean when you you feel like you're apologizing for for your child. Yeah. Yes. And and like you said, like having that diagnosis, it just I'm sure a lot of things just kind of made sense at that point, even if you hadn't seen, like you said, like oh, this should have been a red flag even if you hadn't seen those necessarily along the way, were there other things that like, you were like, Oh, this makes sense.
1: Now. I think now that we, yes, now that we know, yes, certain things do make sense. Like with her eating, for example, like that's 100%, you know, because of her having autism. And so we don't try to like force her really to eat, you know, outside of the box things. Um, but we, we still try to offer, you know, healthy choices and, you know, she's healthy she's growing. Um, I wish, you know, she would eat vegetables or a fruit occasionally, but, um, you know, I just want to, you know, she knows, she knows that I have her back and, um, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that she's comfortable and I will always advocate for her. She knows that. And, um, you know, because I think she's been in situations where she's so uncomfortable and she doesn't know why. And now that we know, like, I'm just not going to force that kind of stuff on her anymore. So, um,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Well, and what you were saying too, about, I'm sure you've heard the term masking at this yeah. point. Yeah. So like with her, like you were saying at school, she could kind of play this role and be masking and, and just sort of like going along and following the rules and whatnot. And then, like you said, when she came home, that's when, you know, you would have issues. So it makes sense to hear then that she was having such a hard time with the virtual learning and not, I mean, because of all the reasons you mentioned, mm-hmm. but also like you were saying, home is like her safe space. So it's like, even though she was doing schoolwork or, you know, that's, that was the goal. Mm -hmm. It was like easier for her to sort of let down her guard when she's at home.
1: Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, the kids that I knew that had, um, autism, you know were kids that were getting called to come you know they were the school was calling parents to come get their kid because you know they couldn't calm their child down or you know um they were being physical and so that was never you know we have never experienced that with her at school or at you know anybody anybody else's house you know we would experience it at home um so that's why like another you know i just that never crossed my mind that that could, could be her. But now I'm reading so much and learning so much that there's, you know, it's such a wide spectrum that there's many different, you know, uh, ranges of it. I don't like to, you know, say like, Oh, she's super high functioning because, you know, that's, that's, I don't want to, you know, let anybody down that like, Oh, my kid, you know, can still, you know, go to school and, you know, behave just fine. I think it's, she's she's at a um just I i don't know at a point where we can control it and um now we know how to like help her through things so yeah well i think the term high functioning too it also diminishes
0: you know the things that she does have challenges with you know
1: exactly yes that's what exactly what i was trying to say but i could not get the right words out
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's hard sometimes to avoid the labels entirely because it's like, you need to say something. Yeah. Sometimes like they're there, but yeah, I, I try to use them as little as possible. If not, just totally do away with them. Mm -hmm. No matter what it, yeah. You're, you're kind of stepping on somebody's toes.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yes. So we're just super proud to, you know, you know let people know that she has autism and we honor it and um you know I'm just super relieved that we we have a diagnosis now.
0: Yeah, for sure. You said that you've seen changes like with her behavior. What are things that you think either like in therapy or at home you've been implementing that have really made a difference?
1: Um so uh going to school this you know starting fourth grade the first week was was pretty r- well actually the first week was pretty good getting her to school um and before the pandemic she was actually very easy to go to school um and then after that first week it was really hard like full on you know screaming meltdowns didn't want to go to school you know kicking her brother's seat in the car when i'd be driving them to school um, you know, one of the teachers had to help her get out of the car um, one of the days. It was it was just hard and I felt terrible and, you know, just kind of like, what is, what's going on? Um, and so we were able to, like, figure out a plan with her um, therapist with, you know, just not necessarily, like, you know, bribing her, um, but saying, okay, if we have, you know, five consecutive days of not having a hard morning, what would you like to do? You know, like, you know, do you want me to take you somewhere or do you want to get something that, I mean, I guess that is bribing, but she had a while. (laughs) So, you know, things like that, which is more like behavioral therapy. Um, Mm -hmm. And then also we started her on Zoloft. Um, So we worked with her therapist and her pediatrician, And got her on a super low dose of Zoloft. And I think that that has helped tremendously because I think what the reason why she was having those hard mornings was because she knew she had to be masked, you know, like she had Mm -hmm. to play, she had to play that role. And, you know, it's exhausting, you know, emotionally and mentally um, to just play that role all day. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, Mm -hmm. So the Zoloft I think has helped quite a bit. We've had very few mornings like that since she's been on it for about two months now. Um, So that's helped quite a bit. Um, And then we started her in piano. Um, She was doing virtual for a while, but now she's going in person. And I think that's kind of helped her brain like rewire itself or settle down or, you know, she doesn't love golf. She doesn't love doing it. Like she's not great at practicing. But she doesn't, she doesn't, she doesn't, you know, whine about going. So I think that has been pretty, like, music therapy has mm-hmm. been helpful for her, too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You
0: mentioned in the beginning, too, that, like, at recess, if she's overwhelmed or, or if she needs to, she can go to um, the this bedroom. Yeah. Is- things they're doing at school, that now that she has a diagnosis that are, are different or new. Yeah. So,
1: So, so after we got her medical diagnosis, we, you know, I reached out to her school and let them know what was going on and asked if this was, you know, if we needed to consider getting her an IEP or, you know, what, what is that process? And, um, they, said that they would, you know, they, they take the medical diagnosis into consideration, but they also do their own educational diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And so they have somebody come from um, they, you know, have a, have a contract with um, another school that's um, like a special ed school where Mm -hmm. they have somebody come in and they do the um, educational diagnosis. And um, that one was, I mean, that one was hard because it was also, you know, in a pandemic and it was hard to get a good read on her. Um, And so after that diagnosis, they pretty much said, and I'm, I'm sure this happens with a lot of parents, but she was not eligible for an IEP Mm -hmm. because she doesn't need any special ed. Like her grades are fine. She's you know, that may change. And I guess that's why they reevaluate it every year. Um, mm-hmm. So she has a 504 and with the 504 that allows her to, you know, she has the um, flexibility to go to the SPED room and hang out with the SPED teachers and they like play a game or, you know, there's some sensory toys in there. And I think that really helps her because I think she really does get a lot of anxiety going to recess mm-hmm. because she doesn't want to feel um forced to do she well she just doesn't like being outside too that's another (laughs) that's another one um but and I'm completely fine with the 504 um but we'll see later on if we need to reevaluate for an IEP because she does struggle with um like reading comprehension and kind of coming up with her own ideas and you know um, predictions and stuff like that. And I think that's just how her brain works. So she might need something to help with that later on. Well, that's really good, though,
0: that they at least have the 504 in place. Cause like you said, then if they, evaluate, they can, you know, change things. But I know that is sometimes a challenge for the kiddos that they don't struggle in school to get the support they need. And it, yeah. like, she at
1: least still is
0: getting the support that is appropriate for her.
1: Yes, exactly that's great
0: well I really have just enjoyed talking to you and and hearing your story it sounds like you and Selby are doing awesome yes which is so great especially I mean obviously she's a little bit older so like things are different than if you know when you have a a young like a toddler or young preschooler that's diagnosed um but I feel like still the sort of like the first year after diagnosis always I think is like the toughest because you're just like
1: figuring everything out and coming to terms
0: with everything and it just sounds like you guys are doing awesome
1: yeah we are we really are I'm like just I I tell both my kids all the time just you know I thank them for choosing me and Mm -hmm. that she chose me to kind of get her through this and I couldn't be more honored to do that
0: I love that I'm 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 the same kind of
1: <laughs> yes, yes.
0: <laughs> totally, yes. Well, Kelly, it has been a joy to chat with you. Thank you so much for coming on.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: All right, you take care.
1: Okay, you too. Bye.
0: Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Kelly. I just love chatting with her. She's just such a sweet mom. I When I was listening back to this, even, I just had like the biggest smile on my face when she was saying, I just thank my children for choosing me because I couldn't agree more. And I just love hearing that. I think it is, it's so special, especially when we have, you know, these amazing, unique kiddos when as a parent, we can just kind of sit back and just be like appreciative and grateful for all the amazing things that they teach us. And I'm sure that... You know, parents of typical kids feel similarly, but I, you know, maybe I'm biased. (laughs) <laughs> um, but I just think these kids are so special and we are we're so lucky to have them. So thank you again to Kelly for coming on the show. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures and Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures and Autism Pod, or you could email me at Adventures and Autism2018 at Yahoo.com. I always love hearing from you guys. If you're enjoying the show and you have not left a reading and review on apple podcast i would be so appreciative if you would take a moment to do that it really does mean the world to me just to see your kind words but more than anything it does help other people to find the show and if there's anyone out there who could benefit from listening to this podcast i would love to make it a little easier for them to find it so that is all for now and until next time take care